The Infernal Bodyguard Written by Santalatron Read by Literarian Chapter 6 But Only If You Want To The next day was bright and sunny again, so Crowley went outside to bask in the morning sunshine. He sprawled on the grey teak bench by the dining room doors in the back garden, one arm across the back, the other cradling his black cup full of coffee in his lap. He was in a fuzzy, relaxed state from the warmth and a restless night, his muscles tight from yesterday's exertion, his guard down while his night owl brain blearily came online. He tilted his face up to the light, eyes closed as his dark clothes soaked up the scant heat the weak sun was bringing. He let his mind drift as he sank into a sun-baked stupor. Pretty soon it drifted to buttermilk curls and sturdy arms and a cherubic face nuzzling into his neck. He could picture him clearly in his mind, recalling the smell of vanilla and orange blossom mixed with linen surprisingly clearly, remembering the way he felt so solid in his arms. He ruminated on the way Alistair's perpetually disobedient curls framed his face, looking very much like a halo when the light caught them right. A heavenly vision in pale tartan and crushed velvet. He began to wonder what the fussy little man would make of him right now, with his jacket hanging open, the shirt beneath pulled tight across his chest. His morning bed had sat atop carelessly flung limbs and the chilly wedge of bare skin that always escaped where his shirt struggled to contain his long torso. Crowley was too zoned out to think too much about the thrilling tingle that ran up and down his spine as he contemplated Alistair's eyes on him. Would he be scandalized by what he saw, or would the fastidious little bookworm reveal an altogether more lascivious side? Perhaps he would toy with Alistair, tempt him into sin by stretching out his sinuous body, spreading his thighs, rolling his hips as if merely working out the stiffness in his joints. Other stiffness would take a rather more hands-on approach, he would insinuate. Would the fussy angel's eyes go wide? Would he bite his lip, perhaps? Would he look upon Crowley the same way he'd seen him contemplate a pastry selection? Crowley indulged himself, wondering what would appeal to the prim gentleman, what would tempt him to want a taste of the forbidden fruit. He completely forgot about the steaming hot coffee in his lap until he felt the searing heat of it spilling on his leg. He jerked forward, eyes snapping open and hissing through his gritted teeth, yanked fully awake by the scalding pain of the coffee on his thigh. He nearly head-butted Alistair in the stomach as he lurched forward. 
Crowley, still bent over where he sat, looked up open-mouthed in shock over the rim of his skewed sunglasses at the man that, prior to his painful interruption, he had been entirely unprofessionally wondering what it would feel like to seduce in this very scenario. His face was barely a hand's length away from Alistair's trousers, and he had a terrible urge to reduce that gap. Oh, fuck, how long has he been standing there? Did I say something out loud? He looks pretty embarrassed. After a flash of something, Alistair's eyes did indeed go wide, but not in the way Crowley had imagined. He had no time to appreciate the way Alistair's mouth formed such a neat little O before he'd grabbed a tartan handkerchief out of his pocket and crouched down, kneeling between Crowley's far-flung thighs, dabbing at the wet patch and babbling apologies at startling him. Crowley shot upright, panicking at Alistair's hand pressed firmly to his inner thigh as he tried to soak up the spillage, at just how close Alistair was to his crotch that he realized with a jolt was already halfway to being thoroughly inappropriate. Unfortunately, nothing about what Alistair was doing was in any way improving that situation. He pressed the handkerchief into a particularly sensitive spot and Crowley jerked his arm as he pulled away again with a hiss. The remains of the coffee in his cup sloshed over the rim, splashing his wrist, and he dropped the cup on the grass, swearing. Alistair caught his flailing hand and pressed the handkerchief carefully to his scalded skin. Crowley gasped at just how tender his touch was, how this was somehow far more intimate than having that neatly manicured hand centimeters from his semi-aroused cock. Oh, my dear, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to startle you like that. Are you all right? Alastair rushed to say. Still with impeccable enunciation, Crowley noted. Well, yeah, just hot. Wasn't expecting it. Uh, seeing you, I mean, like that. Suddenly. All over me. Looming, I mean. Uh, did you need something? Crowley babbled himself into a cringe-filled silence. As if this wasn't already bad enough, you inarticulate twats. That wasn't a Freudian slip, that was a Freudian landslide. Right, Alistair started uncertainly. Yes, I... well, it occurred to me last night that I am apparently going to need you with me at all times until this crisis is over, which doesn't leave me with a great deal of freedom. Alistair sat down on the bench beside Crowley, who realized too late that his arm was still over the back of said bench and therefore now trapped between Alistair's broad shoulders and the wall. 
He quickly shoved his sunglasses back up his nose to hide whichever of the many emotions that he was feeling right now were being broadcast for all and sundry, letting his free hand drop strategically across his crotch. With the sunlight on his face, Crowley noted, Alistair's eyes were a stunning, pale, crystalline blue. They were flitting all around, but never quite making it to Crowley's face. I mean, what if I wanted to go out for the evening? I'd have to take you with me, and I don't envision many intimate dates putting up with you looming over their shoulder. Alistair took a deep breath, picking the grass from his knees. So, the only option left is, well... For you to take me. Out for the evening, I mean. If you want to. Alistair looked up at Crowley with an anxious expression. Crowley promptly froze, thinking fast. But only if you want to. Alistair was radiating hope, and Crowley was sure he'd missed something somewhere because it sounded very much like Alistair had just asked him on a date. Well, uh, you're the boss, Alistair, so if you want me to take you out, I'll take you. Whatever you want. The smile that followed very nearly outshone the sun itself, and Alistair stopped just shy of clapping in glee, his hands merely fluttering together over his chest. Wonderful. I'll uh, leave it up to you to tie down the details then, Alistair asked tentatively. Crowley just nodded. It was all he could trust himself to do at the moment. Right. Well, tickety-boo. I'll just, um, leave you to your coffee. Well, sun, anyway. Alistair rose awkwardly, brushing at his knees again and glancing at the dark twin of his cup discarded on the grass. He positively floated back toward the house, hands clasped tightly behind his back. Crowley watched him go, dumbfounded. Tickety-boo, he thought vaguely, taking a few minutes to compose himself before retrieving the coffee cup and heading inside. Why the fuck had he said yes? Bodyguards were not supposed to take their employers out on a date. It was pretty much the first rule, don't get too close. Crowley thought for a moment. Well, more like a guideline, really. But still, messy. But it didn't stop the man plaguing his thoughts. Every time his mind wandered, there he was in all his ridiculous, soft-focus glory. A divine vision in pale clothes and dark desires. 
At first, the thoughts had been mostly idle and carnal, but lately there had been fewer thoughts of finding alternative users for library ladders and more thoughts on how to get him to do that face again, the one that made him feel like he might actually be capable of all the daft things Pepper was convinced he already did. Hello, handsome came a sultry voice, snapping him back to the present. He'd wandered, coffee cup in hand, into the kitchen, where Tracy was getting a head start on lunch. Madam, Crowley gave an exaggerated bow, which earned him a chuckle. That smells simply wicked, he said, a rakish grin spreading over his face. Oh, you are incorrigible. Tracy preened. Crowley rinsed his cup out in the sink and slid onto a stool at the island. Have you known Alistair long then? he asked. Oh, blemmy, yes. I used to work in a cafe many years ago and he used to come in all the time. Often with that Oscar. Her face darkened at the mention of the name as she stirred a huge pot on the stove. Go on, Crowley encouraged. Oh, that man was a right piece of work. Used to do something to do with television, I think, and he used to say the most horrible things to poor Mr. F. One day, can you believe it, he just upped and walked out, leaving Mr. F halfway through his breakfast. Alistair looked so distraught, bless him, I ended up sitting with him and he told me all about the vile way Oscar would treat him and call it love. Only Alistair didn't see it for what it was at the time, bless him. Now, Oscar only came back a few times after that, but Alistair used to come back on his own and we would sit and have a lovely chat. Then Oscar up and left him for someone younger and more eager to please, and Alistair was devastated. Crowley felt his hands ball into fists of their own accord. I helped him see it for the blessing it was, and after that Alistair used to come and sit in the corner with that old laptop of his. I didn't know what he was up to until he asked me to read his first manuscript one day. Turned out he'd had this incredible story going around in his head since he was a child and he'd never had the confidence to write it down. Well, I knew someone in the publishing business. I didn't always work in a cafe. She grinned at Crowley over her shoulder. And I passed it to them with Alistair's blessing, of course, and the rest is history. So anyway, the corner of the café became known as Alistair's Corner and it was generally acknowledged that if you came in, there was a good chance you'd appear in one of his books. He loves observing people, he does, and taking bits here and there for his characters. I've cropped up a few times over the years in various guises, she said, patting her hair. So... Once it all took off and he was doing well, he asked me to come and be his cook and general housekeeper, and here I still am. He's such a lovely man, and I am eternally grateful that Oscar is long gone. 
Not that he didn't try to wheedle his way back in, of course, but by then Alistair had a few more of us around him who could help him hold his nerve. As I'm sure you've noticed, he tends to surround himself with the fairer sex. Too much of a distraction, he says. But he's happier these days, certainly smiles a lot more than when I first met him. Tracy finished. I'm guessing you've seen him use that weaponized smile a few times then. Crowley joked. He'd need to call RP about this Oscar later. Could be a potential lead if the man was as controlling as he sounded. No wonder Alistair kept his staff strictly female. Crowley felt a strange surge of anger at the idea that anyone could treat Alistair that way. What was that, dearie? Tracy asked, confused. You know, the one he deploys when he wants something. Crowley waved his hand absent-mindedly, his thoughts still lingering on what men like Oscar deserved. The one that makes you feel all... He gestured wildly. In your chest. I'm guessing it gets him into a lot of places. All those exclusive clubs for a start. Oh yes, I suppose he does like his clubs. Discreet, somewhere he is always welcomed like a friend. He's a member at pretty much every London club that will let him in, you know. Tracy looked at Crowley thoughtfully for a moment. And I'll admit he is rather good at charming his way into places. Come to think of it, the only place I know nearby that won't let him in is the RAF club on Piccadilly, a fact that Danaf irritate him. Tracy said, watching Crowley carefully out of the corner of her eye while she continued to stir. Tell me, dear, have you ever been in love? Crowley looked a little surprised. Me? Nah, I'm not the type people fall in love with. What did you say this Oscar's surname was? Waterford, lovey, said Tracy, knowing full well that she hadn't. About as pretentious as he sounds. Oscar Waterford. Course. Right, suppose I'd better go sort out this mess on my trousers then. Coffee spillage. Cheers for the info, Tracy. Ciao, Crowley called out as he left the kitchen and ambled down the stairs. Tracy merely smiled into her casserole. Crowley contemplated what she had said about Alistair putting people in his books. That would certainly make the request to take him out a bit more understandable if he was after some juicy material for his next story. Crowley relaxed a bit at that thought. He could handle a business dinner. Letting Alistair see what the life of a bodyguard was actually like would be simple enough. Maybe he'd even show him some of the stuff in his flat. He had some pretty cool souvenirs there that would make exciting plot lines. Crowley felt much easier about taking his boss out for dinner now he knew it was a work-related thing and not a date. Yep, definitely not a date. Much more relaxed now. Not disappointed at all. At all, do you hear?
Alistair was pacing in his library. He'd been so nervous when he approached Crowley, but the bright sun had breached behind his sunglasses and he'd been able to see that Crowley's eyes were closed. He looked so peaceful that Alistair couldn't help but pause to take him all in. Crowley didn't seem to realize he was there, but it wasn't unusual for people not to notice him. He moved quietly and had spent a long time learning to blend into the background. Private education could be cruel to children who didn't fit the mold, and it had been easier to just avoid being seen at all. And he'd so enjoyed the view while he could take the chance to admire without being observed. His imagination had got rather away with him once he'd spotted that delicious sliver of hip bearing itself to the cold air. He'd ached to touch, to taste, to fully experience the sublime incarnation of temptation all laid out so decadently on his bench. The light was falling across Crowley's face, highlighting the striking angular features as if a Gustave Courbet self-portrait had come to life. Much like Courbet's paintings, Crowley was immobile, but Alistair could sense the movement merely a breath away. He'd come so close to reaching out, convincing himself he could pass it off as stirring him, but then the coffee had spilt and it had all got rather fraught and messy, resulting in Crowley looking up at him from a rather delightful, if somewhat compromising, position, his mouth open, no less. It was maddening, and he had had to distract himself rather quickly after that, although in hindsight pressing his hands into Crowley's thigh hadn't been the wisest thing to do and he had got rather carried away, which caused Crowley to spill his coffee again. He hadn't thought until afterwards at what the grass would do to the knees of his trousers and how he would explain that to Tracy, he had no idea. He could already see her smirk. When he had eventually managed to get across to Crowley the words he had rehearsed, he had been overjoyed with the answer, but on reflection it felt less clear-cut. He'd hoped for an indication of the man's interest, but he realized that what Crowley had actually said was frustratingly vague, but at least it hadn't been an outright no. He'd either go out and have an extraordinarily awkward evening or, well... Oh, who was he kidding? Heart and head all aflutter, Alistair forced himself to sit down and pick up a book. He had left Crowley in charge of the details, so he would just have to see what he came up with. Nevertheless, he couldn't help the little flicker of excitement every time he thought about it. Alistair's good mood was shattered later that afternoon when Gabriel paid him an unexpected visit. 
Crowley loped into the dining room, holding a can of something fizzy and artificially coloured, and a chorizo and rocket sandwich with a notable lack of plate, to find Gabriel, Newt, Anathema and Alistair in a heated discussion. Gabriel and Newt at one end of the long, antique table, Anathema and Alistair at the other. Alistair glanced up as Crowley appeared in the doorway, and a funny little smile fluttered across his face before he turned back to the men opposite him. Crowley could see the tension around his mouth, in the way he held his shoulders, in the wringing of his hands. He took an instant dislike to the brash American with his plastic smile and his two perfect teeth. It was like he'd seen Sincere and thought it beneath him. Crowley decided to have some fun. He sauntered around the table and sat down on the other side of Alistair, sprawled on the chair so his body was facing the two men at the other end. His job was to protect Alistair from all threats, and right now Alistair was clearly feeling threatened. But if I start adding in all your suggestions, it will irrevocably alter the tone of the story, he heard Alistair say. That's sort of the point, Al. You need to sex them up a bit, appeal to a wider audience. I'm sure you can see. A bit more flesh on show, that sort of... Crowley chose this moment to open his lurid drink, reveling in the loud hiss it made as the pressurized air escaped. He leisurely cracked the stay tab open as he stared towards the other end of the table. Gabriel glanced at him with disdain, but ignored him in favor of haranguing Alistair. Look, the... Crowley took a loud slurp from the can. The suggestions I'm making will make your next book much more marketable to the younger audience. It'll be more exciting, we'll sell more books and we'll all be happy. He spread his hands wide to emphasize his point, just as Crowley audibly smacked his lips in appreciation of the refreshing drink. I'm sure you can see that I've got a point. Look, who the hell are you? Gabriel cracked as Crowley had taken a bite of his sandwich and a leaf out of Alistair's book and appreciated his food rather loudly. <sighs> Crowley glanced to the side behind his sunglasses to see Alistair looking slightly flushed, fearful and not showing any signs of making the introduction himself. Crowley, he said through another mouthful of sandwich. Anthony Crowley, personal protection. You? Crowley sprawled back in his chair. Gabriel looked at him, incredulous, then at Alistair with a curious expression, then back at him with a final derisive stare. Gabriel, I'm Alistair's publisher. I'm trying to explain to him that he needs to take my suggestions on board for his next book. I have a great plan for him. Maybe you can help me convince him. Gabriel flashed his soulless smile at him. 
the level of arrogance was astounding. Crowley appeared to consider it for a moment as he chewed and swallowed his mouthful, but the dejected look on Alistair's face was making his blood boil. Nah, don't think I will. It's not my place to tell the beloved author how to write. Crowley took another bite of his sandwich. When it became clear that no more was forthcoming, Gabriel turned back to Alistair, irritation evident on his face. Crowley watched Newt gazing at Anathema, and he realized she was blushing slightly. Interesting. Right, well, think about it, eh, Alistair? And please give some serious consideration this time to the screen adaptation and merchandising opportunities. It would do so much for you as a brand. I know you like your comfort zone, and it certainly does look... Gabriel's eyes swept down Alistair's body as his hands waved around vaguely in the air at him. Comfortable, but you can't live there forever. At some point you have to take a step out into the light. You're better than this, you know. What are you? Soft. Alistair mumbled so quietly that Gabriel wouldn't have heard it even if he had been listening. Right. Gabriel stood up to leave, prodding Newt when he didn't immediately follow suit. He was still gazing at Anathema, who was trying very hard to be professional and ignore him, but she was on the verge of grinning like a fool. Gabriel studied Crowley. Anthony, wasn't it? Crowley pretended his mouth was too full to respond and instead waved vaguely at him, the gesture turning considerably less friendly as he turned away. Gabriel picked up the few sheets that Alistair had given him as he turned towards the door. Thank you for my pornography, he joked, missing the wince that passed over Alistair's face every time he made it. Alistair was sat very still, looking into his lap. After Anathema had shown Gabriel and Newt out and shut the front door, Alistair finally took a deep breath, squared his shoulders and set his face back to his usual calm, genial, neutral. Why on earth do you work with him? Crowley asked him. He's a great A asshole. No, wait, that's too good. Great Z? Reject swept off the cutting room floor. Alistair gave a weak chuckle. <laughs> I don't have much choice, dear boy. The publishing house assigned him to me, and we have a contract. I need him to like me to keep my publishing deal, which is up for renewal this summer and I get the distinct impression that I'm not succeeding in that respect. Regrettable, but that's the way it is, Alistair said sadly. Still a wanker, Crowley grumbled. Maybe if I use the suggestions he's put forward, I can show him I'm worth keeping on, Alistair said half to himself as Anathema returned. Did I just hear you say what I think you said? 
because I can't have heard you saying you were actually going to include his ridiculous suggestions. Anathema demanded, folding her arms over her chest. You know full well what he's asking you to do is utterly incongruous to your storyline. You'd have to change the whole direction of the book. And I know for a fact that you hate the idea of a studio getting their hands on your story and distorting it to please some stuffy exec. Alistair looked like he was about to cry. Anathema sat down and put a hand on his shoulder. You can do this, Alistair. You can tell him no. Tell them to assign you a different editor. You're making them enough money that they won't want to lose you. Can you tell him, Crowley? She looked to Crowley, who was somehow managing to eat and drink much more quietly now. He swallowed his mouthful. She's right, you know. You can tell Gabriel to shove his asinine suggestions up his sanctimonious ass, if he can get his head out first. Crowley! Alistair scolded, barely holding back the smile. What? You'd prefer feather-brained douchebag? I... really? No? How about overcompensating streak of toddler piss? Well, I... Ooh, got it! Crowley put his sandwich down on the white tablecloth and stood up to strike a dramatic pose, feet planted in a wide stance, nose up in the air, one hand on his hips, the other thrust out toward the seat Gabriel had occupied. Thou wretched rush, intruding fool, farewell! I took thee for thy better. Take thy fortune, thou findst to be too busy as some danger. He grinned down at the shocked Alistair, then returned to his seat to resume his sandwich. Anathema was giving him a very grateful smile. You, but Hamlet? Really? Oh, what's the use? He'd never understand it anyway. Alistair said eventually. Yeah, but that's half the fun. Crowley flashed him a mischievous grin over the top of his sunglasses and goodness did that make Alistair's heart race. I didn't know you liked Hamlet, he said nervously, the question hanging in the air behind it. Like's a strong word. It's a bit gloomy. I prefer the funny ones. Crowley shrugged. Shakespeare is a popular choice for entertaining foreign dignitaries, and where they went, I went too. Saw a lot of Hamlet one summer. Alistair very nearly hid his disappointment, but Crowley was trained to watch facial expressions. Still, he looked happier than he did before, so it was worth it. Anathema gave Alistair's shoulder another pat before standing up and excusing herself. Alistair looked at Crowley again, studying him as he scarfed down the last of his sandwich and admiring the stretch of his neck as he drained his drink. Diet Coke had a lot to answer for, in Alistair's opinion. He let his eyes drag down as Crowley stood up to take his empty can back to the kitchen. 
he discreetly admired his lithe form, his slender, elegant limbs, then looked down at himself, at his rounded shape, the way his stomach gently rested over his waistband as he sat, the way his thighs spread out on the chair. Gabriel can get fucked. If he knew how to write the way you do, he'd be doing it himself. Crowley said, placing one hand reassuringly on Alistair's shoulder as he wound behind him to get to the door. Before he realized what he was doing, Alistair had put his hand over Crowley's. He felt the wiry hand still beneath his own. He's right about me being a bit too comfortable, though, he sighed. He felt Crowley's hand tense up, fingers digging slightly into the flesh of his shoulder. Crowley spoke very deliberately. No, he's not. And the fact that he thinks it's in any way appropriate to make any comments on your appearance tells me he deserves everything coming to him if I hear him say that sort of shit again. Alistair let his hand fall back to his lap. Oh, my dear, as lovely as that offer is, I do still need his approval to keep my contract and get my next book published. One day, maybe. Crowley's hand seemed to be stuck on Alistair's shoulder. Crowley felt the cool air upon it where Alistair's hand had lain and drank in the warmth his shoulder was providing. I could... Make it look like an accident, Crowley said carefully. Alistair barked out a mirthless laugh. <laughs> I'm sure you could, you foul fiend. But for now, just leave him to me. All right, Alistair, you're in charge. Crowley managed to peel his hand away and walked as normally as he could back to the kitchen to put his can in the recycling. He needed to catch Anathema to check diary dates. Not a date. Not a date. Not a date. Not a fucking date. Don't fucking forget that, you dumbass. He reminded himself as he flexed the hand he'd placed on Alistair's shoulder. The one that had had that soft hand encompass it in its solid warmth. The one that was still tingling slightly from the afterglow of that contact. Pepper found him standing outside the office in the entrance hall, holding his wrist in front of his chest and staring into nothing. Earth to Crowley, did you lose your ridiculous watch or something? She asked. Hmm? Oh, no. Actually, I need to speak to you, he said, springing to life and shoving his hands in his pockets as far as he could. I need to borrow the Bentley for an evening. Tomorrow, perhaps? Peppa narrowed her eyes and pursed her lips. Do you now? Does Alistair know? she asked, crossing her arms over her chest and shifting her weight onto one hip. Uh, yeah, his idea, actually. 
Sort of. Look, it's going to be a surprise, so just don't tell him, yeah? Crowley stumbled out, trying not to blush. Pepper raised one eyebrow, but her expression softened. Well, in that case, come by the garage tomorrow afternoon and I'll give you the keys and we'll sort the insurance, she said. Oh, and Crowley, if you cause any damage to her, I will replicate it on your person. Personally. Crowley didn't doubt her intention. He grinned at her. That a promise? Ugh! Pepper rolled her eyes and stepped around him, heading for the kitchen. Crowley had been psyching himself up all afternoon to actually tell Alistair what he had planned. He didn't know why he was so nervous about it. For the last time, it's not a date. But still, he'd gone up to the library to see if he could find Alistair and had picked up one of his books again from where they were stacked next to the Chesterfield. He'd intended to flip through it to get the general idea, but had got caught up in the passage describing a tender scene between two lovers. It felt intrusive reading something so intense and intimate when the author might walk in at any moment, yet he just couldn't stop reading it, his imagination taking notes at ferocious speed. It felt wrong, but in a deliciously illicit way, and he was soon thoroughly absorbed, his back to the rest of the library. Which was unfortunate, because when Alistair touched him gently on the shoulder to get his attention, having tried and failed by auditory means, Crowley's instincts kicked in and he dropped the book, spun around and slammed Alistair one-handed into the nearest vertical surface by the neck. Ordinarily, this move would result in the assailant's head impacting the surface behind with extreme force and with Crowley's straightened arm adding some extra prejudice to the manoeuvre. Fortunately, Crowley realised halfway through what he was doing and to whom, so he absorbed as much of his body's momentum as he could by ramming his other hand into the bookcase next to Alistair's head and taking the brunt of the impact through that arm instead. Unfortunately, this also meant he ended up with his body forced up against Alastair's in its entirety, pressing him firmly into the shelves behind, the other hand still curled possessively around his neck. Crowley could feel the reassuring solidity of Alastair's body where they were thrust together, the heat of his skin under his hand, the racing pulse under his fingertips. Kiss him! His treacherous brain insisted as he ended up with his face hovering next to Alistair's cheek, so close he could almost feel it against his own. Alistair's whimper was so quiet that he wouldn't have heard it were it not for the fact that his mouth was right next to Crowley's ear. 
he was so close that if he turned his head slightly, he would end up with his lips pressed into the flesh of Alistair's neck, and he had to fight hard not to give in to the urge to bury himself there. When the fuck did I become so aroused? He realized with a horrifying start. And oh shitty fuck nuggets, there's no way he won't have noticed with me stupidly ramming myself into him like a right dickhead. Crowley pulled his head back to look at Alistair, his mortifying realization partially replaced by quietly appreciating the rosy flush that seemed to have crept up onto Alistair's face. Which his brain then followed up with, Kiss him, kiss him, kiss him. You want to, he wants you to. Kiss him senseless. He's right there, do it now. He took in the wide eyes looking down at his mouth, pupils just a bit larger than he would have expected, and those ridiculously rosy lips parted just slightly. Alistair swallowed slowly, and Crowley felt his neck move under his hand. He could feel Alistair breathing rather heavily, his broad chest pushing up into Crowley's own skinny ribs, but that was somewhat to be expected with the shock he must have just had. Crowley managed to jerk himself away awkwardly, but not before the moment had lasted just a little bit too long. He was profoundly grateful for his sunglasses. He backed away, shoving his hands into his pockets, spluttering apologies. Fuck, I'm so sorry. Jesus Christ, are you all right? You walk so bloody quietly. The boys back at HQ could learn a thing or two from you. <laughs> he managed with a weak laugh. Didn't realize it was you. Instinct took over, I'm afraid. Really sorry. Hope I didn't hurt you. Oh, that's quite all right, dear boy. No harm done. Although Alistair's facial expression didn't look like it was quite all right. He looked rather annoyed, if anything, as he stepped away from the bookshelf, smoothing down his clothes. I suppose I should be flattered that you find my book so riveting. Which bit were you reading? he asked. Crowley panicked. Uh, the bit with the people and the thing, where they meet in what's-its-face. Crowley's usual ability to blag it had left him high and dry, along with his dignity, it seemed. Um, so, tomorrow evening, does that work for you? He blurted out in a strained voice, grateful for the legitimate opportunity to change the subject. Oh, well, of course I'll need to check with Anathema, but I don't see why not. What did you have in mind for us? Alistair asked, his voice practically purring, his heart pounding in a manner in which it hadn't seen fit to do for quite some years. 
Anathema says you're free, and nothing booked the next morning that you need to be up early for, so no curfew, and Pepper is graciously letting me drive the Bentley, but the rest is a surprise. That is, if you still want to go? Crowley asked carefully. Well, if you've gone to the effort of convincing Pepper to hand over the keys, then I cannot very well say no now, can I? Alistair said, eyes twinkling in the late afternoon sun that was creeping in through the window. Crowley couldn't help but get distracted by how lovely Alistair looked, the sunlight catching the dust motes dancing in the air around him, making him look as if he were gently sparkling. Uh, right, until tomorrow then, Angel. I'll wait for you by the front door around six, Crowley said eventually, before awkwardly turning to head back toward the stairs. Indeed, Alistair sighed. Angel? As he bounded down the stairs, Crowley mentally berated himself for the shit show he'd just played the starring role in. Something about Alistair made him lose his edge, and it was not a place he was comfortable in. He'd made Alistair angry with his stupidity, but thankfully he was too kind to actually shout at him. He needed to get his shit together properly this time, if he wanted to stay. His body, however, remembered in minute detail how it had felt to be pressed up against the delicious softness that was that wonderful man, and he knew he'd find it hard not to think about it every time he was near him now, never mind the sound he made. Crowley inhaled and realized he could smell Alistair on him. There went any chance of concentrating this evening, then. Meanwhile, Alistair had only one thought in the moments when Crowley had him pinned full-bodied up against his bookshelf in such a passionate manner. Or rather, the same thought over and over again. Yes! Oh, dear God, yes! He'd had to grip tightly onto the shelf behind him to keep himself upright as his knees threatened to give way beneath him, which also served to stop him grabbing hold of Crowley and dragging him into the kiss he so desperately wanted with every fibre of his being. So it was wholly unsurprising that he looked frustrated when Crowley pulled away rather than leaned in those last few infuriating centimetres. Particularly if he'd felt what he thought he'd felt. It had taken a concentrated effort to reduce the moan that tried to escape to a barely audible whine. Hopefully, Crowley hadn't heard it. Still, it would give him something to think about later, and with Crowley's bewitching scent on his own clothes, it would be quite a long, luxurious thought 
and one he might have to perhaps go back and have again a few times to make sure he got it right. The next day passed slowly. After a bit of a false start where Alistair once again startled at the sight of Crowley in the kitchen, the rest of the day progressed with a healthy supply of tentative smiles and shy glances, and by the evening Crowley found himself spending far more time than usual on getting ready. He had chosen his tightest black trousers, paired with a tailored black shirt and a crushed velvet blazer with a thin satin lapel. In black, of course. He selected gunmetal cufflinks with a small snake on for the shirt cuffs and bright red socks that just peeked out over the top of his black Chelsea boots. He spent more time than usual fiddling with his hair. Crowley tried to remind himself that this definitely wasn't a date, but his brain was putting forward a strong argument that that wasn't a good enough reason not to look his best, just in case. Fortunately, his usual, just out of bed, with a hint of an enjoyable night in sad bed hairstyle, was behaving tonight as he teased it and tussled it to within an inch of its life. In a fit of last-minute indecision, he threw the thin silver chain around his neck. It tended to get lost inside the shirt, but the feel of it helped ground him sometimes. Right. If Alistair wanted a slice of his life, then he was going to get a good one. Sunglasses on, Crowley bounced nervously upstairs to go on what was definitely not a date. With his boss, whom he just so happened to find disarmingly attractive to the point of distraction. Oh, fuck.